Welcome back, listeners, to the latest episode of Lost Lieutenant. You're here with uh, with hosts Nick and John. So uh, today's episode is going to be titled "To Bring a Knife to a Gunfight." Oh, uh, good choice. Which good I choice. Uh, which I only just came up with. Um, today's focus, we're going to talk about. Oh, we'll talk about like the stuff we usually talk about. But we're also uh, branching out to to try some new things. We're going to cover us off a a rule of the week. But um, rather than a specific rule, we're going more for a theme, and uh, and the theme of the episode is going to be close combat. Um, so towards the end or later on, uh, we're going to start talk. We're going to talk about all the different martial arts skills, or all all the different uh, ins and outs of uh, of what it means to uh, succeed in close combat in uh, in the game of Infinity. But um, before we get onto that, uh, John, how have you been? Yeah, pretty good actually. I've been. Uh... Enjoying a couple of games of Infinity on Thursday nights, as usual. That's great. Um, and obviously, last weekend we uh, had our first round of our Slow Grow League. Yeah, so so we've um, started a, a Slow Grow League. It's I guess it's it's I wouldn't call it a league in the traditional sense. Um, in that it's not like we're playing every week or anything That's like right. that. It's more a series of tournaments that are more beginner friendly. That's right. That we've um that we've that we've sort of having on. Um, and then you 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 TO'd with uh, with Julian. I did, well. yes, yes. I uh, I saw that Julian was organising the tournament, and I'd sort of seen that uh, there were probably by the time I kind of spoke to him, there were at least fifteen people who marked themselves as either interested or going on the Facebook event, and that was probably like the day after he put it up. And I thought, yeah, he's never going to be able to do that himself, so I volunteered to uh, help him. Help him run things. As Julian will, will profess himself, he's not the biggest person when it comes to computers. So uh, you were running the uh, crunching the numbers and, and right. keeping the the matchups uh, in order. But um, on the day we ended up having about twenty people. Yes. Yeah, we had twenty one signed up. We had one guy not show up, and we've still not heard from him. So sorry, whoever you are, your money's gone. <laughs> uh, You're but... always welcome to come along to the next right. one, though. Yes, if, if you are, if you are listening. Um, please, please come along. Uh, we are always happy to have new players. Now we had um, of those twenty, there was probably there was five who were brand new. Five, five super brand new people, and probably three or four that I think maybe they played. They played in kind of one organized play thing before, um, and certainly had most of them hadn't been playing for more than a couple of months. So it was uh, it was great. Yeah, and so like with a field of twenty, we're talking more than half of them are hitting that that spot Getting of up there, yeah. of, um, of a, around um, sort of what we were aiming at, which is bringing newer people into, exactly. into the community. Yeah, because at the end of the day, while we all love to play against each other, and you know it's a great community, the way the game survives is by bringing in new people. Definitely. Um, you know, if you don't bring in new people, you stagnate, and that's where people start to drop off because they get bored. Um, so you know you got to bring in the newbies, and uh, it gives us a, a bigger pool of players to play against. Which means that you know if people can't make it to game night anytime, you're more likely to get a game. Um, and yeah, it's been uh, it's been great to see. Yeah, that's it. And we so what we did was um, for the for anyone who self-professed to be a new person, uh, basically beforehand there was a uh, a Google form that everyone had to fill in. That's right. With all their details, um, and one of the questions was. Are you a new player? So if you self-identified as a new player, what what uh, what what did we get for those? Yes, people? well we um we have a a, uh, a guy in our local meta called Sean who um who I'm not sure if he makes the tokens himself or if he has a stash from from somewhere, but uh, has some really great tokens that a lot of us use. Um and 
Kev for a tournament that he ran a few months ago, did a similar thing um, and had a chat to Sean and said, look, can we get some tokens for, for the new guys? And we did that. We um, we asked Sean and he said, yep, absolutely. Um, gave us some tokens, which, you know, orders, command tokens, lieutenant order, um, wounds, unconscious tokens, all the, all the kind of basic um, essential ones that you need to uh, to play the game um, at a yeah, obviously it doesn't have all the weird and wonderful tokens that you might use. But literally but, 99% of the stuff you're going to be using is absolutely. covered in these, in yep. these tokens. Yes, every game. And so I also went to Bunnings and got a couple of the, the cheap little plastic boxes. So we, uh, we Oh, like the, the little sewing kit boxes. Yeah, almost. exactly. Yeah. And so we uh, we put the tokens in the boxes. And before the, uh, before the start of the tournament, we um, sort of yelled out their new people's names and handed over and there's some tokens that's yeah. great that, I, I think that's amazing like me reflecting personally on when i first started playing um for the longest time i had just the paper tokens that came in the uh red veil starter that you pop out and then also just the ones that came on the co- the folding tabs of the, the corners sort of, of the boxes corners of the yep. boxes that i'd cut out using a pair of scissors and they were just horrendous <laughs> and like literally in every game i would play i would apologize to my opponent for the state of my tokens that i was using eventually i um went on to i did a google search and there's some great uh pages where you can literally just put like you select what tokens what uh symbols you want and it produces a pdf document of everything you've selected and this is the same thing a lot of people have done i printed those off on like thick uh thick paper and uh, punched them out with a one-inch hole punch and then put like a, an epoxy sticker thing on top of it. And that, that I, I use those to this day. Yeah, well, that's basically what I did too. But instead of the epoxy stickers, I um, there's a company from Adelaide, I believe, called Back to Basics. They mm. make a lot of um, MDF and acrylic stuff. They make paint racks. I have a couple oh, of yeah. paint racks that I store my paints in as well. Um, but they do uh, clear acrylic discs. So they're uh, sort of you know 25 mil um Two, million, two or three mil high acrylic discs and I just stuck those on with a bit of um, Mod Podge which is a type of PVA glue mm. but it's, it dries nice and matte and it doesn't um, wreck the paper so I just stuck so yeah similar sort of principle but I yeah same thing but uh, yeah getting some tokens is the thing that probably people forget about the most so oh yeah models models paint models get models and it's like, yeah so uh, how many orders have you got uh, yeah um, I've got these buttons and some coins <laughs> yeah um, now the other aspect of the of the tournament, even though it was a beginner friendly tournament, we still uh, it was more really a trial by fire, I would say. Oh, very much so. In that we ran five rounds in one day. Yes. Um, it was only 150 Never points. <laughs> it was only 150 points, but me personally, I was burnt out at the end of it. I'm happy to go home, and um, but it was still a good, still a really great fun day. But um, some feedback to the uh, to the yes, TO yes. of the day. Let's not do five rounds again. Yeah, I am. Um, I personally would never have done five rounds. I he's not here, so I can say this. I blame Let's Julian. Let's just throw Julian <laughs> under the bus. Uh, um, totally his idea. Yeah. So we were using the um, the recon rules written by Ash from Gorilla Miniatures Games, and he's got a, a nice little series of missions, and um, it, uh, it they're nice missions, but yeah, five five was probably a, a one one game it, too many. It was ambitious. It was. And, Especially given uh, the shop didn't open on time, 
Um, and then had a couple of people with uh, public transport issues, so they turned up fairly late. And so, yeah, yeah everything so kind of compounded. Rather than wrapping up at five in the afternoon, I think we finished about seven. Yeah, I think. Well, I think the plan was to wrap up about six. Okay. Six thirty. Um, so we we didn't finish too long after we meant to, but it it definitely went longer than I would have liked. Yeah, but well, we've still we've got two more tournaments coming up. The next one uh, in this in this um slow grow in inverted commas, slow grow um, league series. Um, the next one's going to be 250 points. Uh, 250 limited insertion. Limited insertion. Okay, 250 points, limited insertion, just three rounds. Yes, that's right. Um, which is manageable. Yes. Now, that's, have we got a date for that? That's happening we have. April. That is April the 6th, Saturday, okay. April the 6th, so just under four weeks' time. Great. Um, so we're doing capture and protect, looting and sabotage, and acquisition. Sure. So that's some some interesting missions. We're also running a special prize for uh, for these newer players as well, and I guess veteran players around painting an army. So basically, anybody who, uh, if you've got a force, because for all, I mean, the, the events are open to veteran players as well. But we did want to have people starting new armies. If you are a veteran, so I've started in with the Invincible Army. Because, you know, you're going so far away from your uh, your ISS route. That's, that's right. I, I surprised everyone by moving all the way to another Yujing Sectorial. Um, all and, all you know, the other one. That's right, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we've got two now. Um, and uh, what, we're going, what we're doing is uh, if you've got a force that was not painted at the start and then by the end of the three tournament series is painted, we've got a special prize that we're... But, going to be giving away as well that is right yes so we've taken some money from the uh the prize pool for round one we'll do the same for round two assuming we uh, we get a good turnout um and obviously we'll do the same for round three and so it'll be a nice uh nice little uh bonus prize obviously not cash we'll uh, we'll do a voucher of some description i think um but uh yeah so anybody who's who's played that uh, that third round with a newly painted army will be in the running to to win that prize. Yeah, and it's not it's not a painting competition. We're not rating your painting ability. It's it's pure, purely if you had something that was not painted at the start and then was painted at the end, you go in the draw to win whatever exactly. prize. Exactly. So basically, yeah, it makes people like me who don't have the greatest painting skills in the world um, eligible to win something. You know, we can't all be uh, Gavin Bateman style painters. Yeah, that's right. Um, but uh, yeah, so yeah, it was a really good fun event, and um, five, like I say, five games in a single day. We only like only 150 point games, but still, it, it does take it out of you. But everyone was still cheerful at the end of the day, and uh, and everyone had a great time. Yeah, so. it was good, and uh, we uh, we got some excellent price support from TSI, uh, so that's always great to see. You know, um, we're always happy to support those guys. That, yeah. Pillars of the community. 100%. So I know whenever I bought any of my stuff online, I've bought it from TSI. So yep. they're my they're my go-to if uh, my local has is something out of stock um, and doesn't want to help me out by ordering it in, I'll definitely go to those guys for um, for uh, for their for their support and their their continual support of the community. That's right. Um, now local games. Yes. We've had a couple of games against we, each other. We only had one. We had one. Yes. Um, which is actually the first time we've ever played. It is because you know you. Uh, you ran away from a game <laughs> against me a few weeks ago, but just before CanCon. That's right. So, so let me clarify this. We'd um, we'd set up like we were, we were really excited because it was going to be the first time that, that you and I got to play. It was leading up to CanCon. We're getting all of our practice games in, 
and um, we'd set up, deployed, like rolled, rolled, done the initiative roll, deployed. I was literally about to start spending my first orders, right. and I got a phone call from my partner who was distraught because she'd locked herself out. Um, and uh, I, 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 almo- I almost felt like telling her to toughen it up. <laughs> she's she's made her bed. Um, but no, because I am a, I am a, 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 a truly faithful and loving boyfriend. I, uh, jumped in the car and drove home to, um, to, to let her back in. Now, I'm not sure if I told you this part, John, but I got a phone call halfway home from, uh, from my partner to say that, um, if I hadn't left already, I don't have to leave because she checked in her car <laughs> and found the keys underneath her seat. Oh, dear. No, um, you hadn't told me that. Yeah. So, so you, you really were running scared. Then. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been, yeah. So, um, but yeah, barring that um, that initial uh, false start to a game, we finally got one in. We did, miss. It was uh, pretty much my first game with uh, the new army that I'm going to be playing for the next sort of few months. Which was the uh, the Vedic Sectorial? Ah, uh, the OSS. Yes, S S S S. Us, the Us. That's right. Um, and uh, yeah, I was playing the Invincible Army, and we played uh, Armory. We did. Yes, yeah, probably the first time we both played. Exactly. Yeah, because we we both sort of started playing into this right at the start. I guess the end of season eight. Yes. Um, and uh, that's when they took out the Armory missions. Um, so it's not something that either of us were familiar with, which, which, uh, having played it twice now, I'm a big fan. That's great. Absolutely love love it. it. Yeah. Um, it's an absolute bloodbath of a mission where everyone's just running into that room and, uh, templates going down. Templates going around everywhere. I think in our game, uh, did you go first? I Uh, did. Yeah. You ran into the room and then. I ran up and killed everything that was in it, and I went in the room. Then you ran up and killed everything that was <laughs> yep. in it, and then you went in the room. And then um, it was a very—I think—I think I, think I might have won like six, seven, or something. It was—I think it was like five, four, or something. I can't remember the exact score, but it was—it was definitely given. You had I, more. You'd gotten the points for having it each round, and I'd gotten the points for having it at the end. Yes, I think that's right. Um, and so yes. that's why I, I won barely. Yes, because you—you uh, you ran your hacktail. Oh, and that's right. In in camo, up while I had guys in suppressive fire, and I yeah. I, I made the uh, the decision uh, stupidly was you know when I was thinking about it to not discover, and I was like, hang on, if I don't do this, he's just going to walk in there in camo and, and hold the armory, which is exactly what happened. Yeah, you had about forty five points inside the armory, and I reckon I walked past maybe four or five miniatures that were all in suppressive fire, yep. uh, with my with my hack tower that had re camoed. And uh, you elected not to uh, not to try and discover because you didn't want to drop suppression. Yes. Uh, so I just walked in. I had a few orders left. Once he was standing inside the room, I did a bit of a calculation on my head and was like, you definitely don't have 70 points inside that room, <laughs> so I'm not going to spend the rest of my orders. And yeah. that was the end of the game. Oh, you could have spent them on any, literally any other model. So yeah. yeah there's, there's no reason for us to continue. That's right. So, um, but no, it's a really good, fun game, and um, I'm looking forward to. It's a, it's it's actually going to be featuring at a couple of upcoming tournaments. So, um, Kev has the Armory at uh, Eastern, Uprising. Eastern Uprising Part Three, which is happening two weeks time. In two weeks, so mid uh, mid March. If anyone's keen on coming along, I know he's uh, he's got a bunch of Armory tables that have come in from Jackal. Yes, yeah, the new Jackal table. I um I got a got him to order me one while he was ordering them for. For his uh, for the tournament and yeah. they look really nice. They're really cool. It's 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 not it's less of a room and more like a, an acrylic barrier. 
That's right. Yeah, um, because I mean, it's infinitely high, so you don't need to have a roof on it or anything like that. So. Yeah, exactly. So I think it looks really cool. Um, and um, he's going to be giving those away as prizes. They're going to be part of the, the, end of the tournament, yes. for the tournament as well. So I really want one, so I'm going to have to do well. Uh, so I can get my hands on, on, on one of those bad boys. Yes, I will unfortunately be uh, flying to Wellington on that day because it's my wedding anniversary in two days afterwards. So uh, yeah, we're going back to back to New Zealand to see some people and drink some beer. Oh, well, half your luck. Yeah. Um, now, what else did we want? I actually had another game of, uh, of Armoury just recently um, against uh, Ryan Kirby, who's one of our local pay- players who some would consider top tier. Um, he's, a, he's a very good player, um, and uh, he had a very interesting list. Uh, or he's, he was playing OSS as well, but um, managed to fit in three Asuras in a Harris uh, in his in his list. So he had some net rods and maybe a couple of Dakini as well. <laughs> no, there was no Dakini. There, or maybe there was one. There was there was a. Um, he had his three Asura, which is literally 220, 230 yep. points or something. Yep. 220, I think, yeah. Um, and then or maybe it was 210. I can't remember. It was a lot. And that's many, many points. That's right. Your army. Um, and then the rest of his army was literally net rods, uh, flash pulse bots. Yeah, uh, yeah. There, was a, there was a sofa tech there um, and not much else. Yeah, uh, I can imagine. So basically, that, and it was it was just a, a very interesting... Uh, game the list i'd taken wasn't probably designed for armory i didn't have many i didn't have any template weapons or anything Ooh, like yes, that but... uh, no flamers no nano pulses nothing unlike the f- army that i played against you in armory which, yeah. which had heavy flamethrowers half the people had nano pulses all sorts of exciting things i didn't have access to those in the list that i took i don't know why i decided to i took this list so it's just something i wanted to had you organized the game that you were going to play we had to play beforehand we, we and, I, and i said the same thing to him i'm like i don't know i don't know why i took this this list and he was like well i mean i did tell you we were playing this mission I'm like yes I, I fully appreciate that so um so so thank you um but uh so so i have no one to blame except myself um he runs in in his first turn runs in and just bunkers up with three asura inside the armory yeah i walk on the side with a um with a uh drop troop is it the lu jing and uh, literally mop up his entire back line at the start of his second turn. So the th- other three models he had in his list. <laughs> no, he, had, he, he did have ten models. Um, well, there was only nine because one of his net rods fell off the table. Uh, it's always a problem with net rods, I think. Yeah, but, um, but he, did, uh, he did have a full-size limited insertion force. I walked on from the table and mopped up literally everything else. Uh, and so the only stuff he had left on the table were three uh, Asuras inside the deployment inside the the armory, uh, and then uh, he just kept them there and didn't do anything. And so and then why would you not? It came over to my turn again. I'm like, okay, well I got to try and bunk it, knock these dislodge guys them, out, yeah. dislodge them. So my second turn, I managed to kill one of them, which was his lieutenant. And um, but that didn't really matter because he didn't need it to spend any more orders. Because he got two more. Because he still, he still got two more. So I still managed to kill. In my third turn, managed to kill uh, one more of them, and the other one had one wound left, um, but just didn't have. And th- th- I ended up literally just I had a um, a Yan Huo with the two missile launchers. Oh yes. He was in Harris, so I was shooting uh, missile launchers at point blank range, <laughs> just hoping best. for crits. <laughs> and I was critting on like an eight or something, and so managed to get a few crits. 
and that was all that uh, that was all that that really helped me out there. Yeah. Um, Those are sure as they're tough to dislodge. Exactly. Um, is it a very practical uh, list? Probably not. But um, it was something he wanted to try out, and um, I'm I'm glad he got to try it out. Again. Hey, I think it could be fun. I mean, he's running a tournament at the end of April, which I think we've talked about on the podcast before. The um, ECM. Uh, ECM, yes. Yeah, so Elite Command Melbourne. That's right, which is going to be a 400-point limited insertion, crazy, silly yeah, tournament. Yeah, so, you, heard that yeah. Right, you heard that right, listeners. 400 points, limited insertion. Now, it does have the Soldiers of Fortune rules uh, because there is going to be a couple of missions that need to have tags. Well, don't need to have tags, but you get points for having tags. I'm going to take OSS, so I have my roots. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and it's uh, we we had ECM last year, and it was the first time that we had that kind of a that kind of a tournament, and it was an absolute blast. Um, playing yeah, that sort of it's 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 really unusual format, a lot different to what. Like your standard three hundred points, do whatever you want, which is I guess your kind of standard, uh, standard format to come in to uh even uh, from a list building perspective, four hundred points with only ten models is uh is really something else. I have to admit I've been I've been looking at lists because I mean it's not actually that far away the tournament now it's like you know, six weeks away or something. Oh really? Yeah. Um, and just because I wanted to maybe get a couple of practice games in before and uh, yeah with OSS. There's so much you can do. Mm. I could take a Harris of um, Asuras, have seven models left, and still have like 180 points left. Yeah, it does, you don't. The rest of your army isn't. It can actually do something. That's right. Yeah. Um, but uh, and and so yeah, it's really good fun. Even even just for a bit of practice, I'd recommend anybody just jumping on army if if you're uh, if you got nothing to do, as Julian would say, if you're sitting on the toilet at work. Um, <laughs> I think that man spends more time on the toilet than actually at work yeah I, th- I think so as well uh he julian was supposed to be recording with us this evening but he uh he was held back at work and that's probably because he was spending too much time on the toilet <laughs> he's gonna love you for saying yeah that. that's okay that's absolutely fine um yeah so um now other, some other breaking news as well um which we're not going to talk about too much because any with anything we do say will uh i'm sure become out of date very quickly that's right i mean even perhaps before we release the podcast potentially yeah so we've had a few a few leaks a few of the little um teaser images come up on the uh infinity australia and uh wgc infinity i think wgc is where they originally came from and then we had some people sharing it onto the uh, the infinity australia page of uh, of what looks to be the next book to come out yes the, Uh, the third in the um what does carlos call it the the third in the third, anyway, the third in the, the trilogy that starts with Uprising. Oh, okay. So, Dad, Dad, Deus. Daedalus's fall. Daedalus's fall, um, which uh, is a bit of a tongue twister if you if, if you try and say it like that. Um, and uh, but by by the by the looks of, of what's what's coming out, we're going to see a lot of uh, aliens. That's right. Yes. Uh, well, it is the year of the the year of the Tohar and the Shazvasti, if you believe what CB have said. Mm, so. so, so my my prediction is that we're no, I'm not going to give a prediction because that's silly. Um, but I'm very excited for uh, for everything that's gonna that's gonna come along. Um, and just the the books themselves, um, I'm still not finished reading Third Offensive. Me either. And uh, but I absolutely love reading the fluff, and that's that's a big part of um of 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 what um it's not what drew me to the game, but I think it's something that kept me 
in the I, game. I absolutely agree. I'm I'm a massive law nerd. Mm. I um I played World of Warcraft for the longest time and oh my God, I, so did I. I um I have We can lots talk of, about that later. Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> I, I have lots of books, law books. There's some there's some amazing books that Blizzard have put out in the last three years called The World of Warcraft Chronicle, which is basically the law of the uh, the whole world. There's three volumes of that, and I have all three, and you know, I can happily sit there reading them for a couple of hours of a night. And mm. yeah, because the yeah, I what drug what makes me want to play a game is if there is a believable world around it. Sure. Yeah, and yeah, Infinity. There's absolutely a believable world. Yeah, yeah there's a yeah. That's the whole point of a lot of the uh, like Nomads, for example. The their whole thing is that their whole sectorials are based around their three ships. Mm. So you know. It's a, all, all that all that sort of lore is really cool. And that's what I've been really enjoying about uh, reading the Third Offensive as well, is really getting it, because it doesn't only talk about the Third Offensive and what's happening on Paradiso. It talks about so much of everything else and right. what goes on in the in the um in the in the human the, sphere. In this human sphere, that's right, in the in game universe was was what I was going to say. But uh, yeah, because there was there's always been whispers of uh, of Acheron Falls. Yes, well, that was uh, the that was the rumor. I mean, it may still I turn out it, to be true. I think that's been rumors. I think that's been rumored for years. Yeah. Um, and if you if you have had a look through Third Offensive, it kind of does it details these different warp gates that uh, that lead to different areas, and then the the Daedalus Gate uh, leads to where the Tohar. Tohar space. Yes. Yeah. So. If uh, the Daedalus Gate has fallen, then or, or will fall, or this will chronicle the story of the fall, uh, who knows? We haven't we haven't really seen what it's going to be yet, but uh, but very exciting stuff to come. Yes, so especially if the um, if the leaked picture of this army box that uh, may or may not be coming mm. is true, because uh, as someone who has recently uh, picked up a few Toha models, because I I love aliens and you know I like having an alien faction, um, that has me very excited. Mm. Yes, no. What's uh, as as usual? Lots lots on the horizon, and lots uh, lots coming along. Yeah, it, uh, it. I do wonder how far they can go in terms of having the so many releases, um, because and sometimes balancing will become an issue. But uh, yeah, they're doing okay so far, so I'm uh, yeah. I'm all for it. And I, I was having this chat with a couple of people on um, on Saturday at the during uh, like between rounds at the tournament um, where they were sort of asking me about my thoughts on game balance and, and that sort of thing. And I know we don't, we're not going to go deep into this today, but um, my, my opinion on it is that the, there like these newer factions. Yes. Um, there are some that are very powerful. A lot of that still can be uh, the, the new factor in that, these new you don't people just don't know how to deal with them exactly, properly yet, yes. yeah. uh, and it's something that once you do get used to them, um, then then it will because I like when um, when uh, what's the name of the third nomad one that came out Tunguska Ten, Tunguska came out um, every like because they were sort of a I guess fairly low key release, but a bunch of people locally took them up, and then all of a sudden. There was not really many people playing them at all. No, I, um, I don't think I've played a game against a Tunguska player. Yeah, and, and, and I think they everyone jumped on there and uh, they were there was they did have some very strong components. But that then, Hollowman link. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that still gives me nightmares. Um, but but you kind of it kind of got to the point where people were realizing how you can start to counter them. Yeah. And I think we will get there with these other factions as well. Um, the 
we had five new releases last year. We've got five this year as well. Um, can we have five again next year? I, I honestly can't see it happening. I'm trying to think where they would go, and I'm not seeing spaces in many um, factions for new sectorials mm. other than perhaps you know, more mercenary-type factions like Ikari and Starco. That sort of thing, yeah. So we'll we'll see we'll see what um what they come out with of the of uh from this book um I know Rama is 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 going to be in there Rama is one and the updated Shazvasti sure. is one but yeah and 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 that's the other my other opinion on on this as well that even while they are releasing these new sectorials they're still going back and looking at these older ones and giving them updates so um the updates were while the the Morat updates wasn't amazing. Um, it's still it's still an update, and then they did the update to uh, to the military orders yes. as well, yeah, which well, um, which made them release a new box of them. Yeah, that, that 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 box, which is a, which is a great great set, um, which which now makes military orders a much more viable force than what it was before. Um, so I think uh, I think the game's in a healthy in a healthy spot at the moment. I agree. Uh, okay, but um, I guess we can move on now to our what, our topic. Yes, it, of the, the week, yes, absolutely. rule of the week. Uh, we, to, we need uh, to create a little uh, jingle for that. <laughs> rule of the week. Um, it's totally going to be what it is now. We're keeping that. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So we need more sound effects. More. That's exactly what this podcast needs. More, needs more sound effects. Um, so yeah, um, close combat. Yes, a topic it, very close to my heart. Yeah, my, mine as well. So, I mean, we both play fairly uh, uh, all factions that can perform very strongly in in, in the close combat space. And um, but for for, a, for from a from a I guess an, um, a broader perspective, uh, Infinity is a game that is very much about shooting people. It is very definitely. Um, so, close combat's not something that you can um, reliably win games by focusing on, I would say. I, I think it will... Well, I, I wouldn't say it's impossible, but I, I think you would struggle. Yeah, yeah. It, it really comes... It's it's a game about guns, but having a sharp knife every now and then can... can especially especially a, a laser knife that cuts people in half. That's, that's right, yeah. A, a very sharp knife. <laughs> um, a monofilament, a single, a, a single molecule on the edge of the, uh, on the, edge of the blade uh, definitely helps. Yes. Uh, some, some of the time. So it's... Um, it, it's... It's a... Part of the game that, like, there are def definite units that are built around um, close combat, even some factions. If you look at JSA, for example. Which, of we... course, I, uh, I have played for the last sort of, well, played for the last four or five years uh, on and off, but seriously again for the last year or so. Yeah, but... there's, there's so much, as so many aspects of that force that are really focused around that well, close look, combat. We've got so many um, units that have such a great close combat skill. So, you know, it, uh, they, they obviously have been designed to perform well in close combat, but uh, then you've got to think, now I've got to actually get into close combat to do it. That's and, right. Yeah. But, I mean, and, and, and a force like JSA does have that ability to get in it close does. combat, where so many of these close combat beasts have... Uh, the TO camo, where they've got hidden deployment and infiltration, yep. and do they, do they have superior infiltration as uh, well? Well, the Onuaban and Shinobu definitely do. So yeah, yeah, 
you're rolling on your fist plus three to uh, to get into it just before the opponent's deployment zone, mm. right around the corner from that lovely tag that they've got uh, stationed there. That you may want, may or may not want to cut in half. Yes. Um, yeah. So it's 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 definitely something that, um, and particularly in in uh, in really dense tables as well, I feel it plays plays a larger role than in your open tables. Yes. Just because it is easier to get to your opponent. That's right. You're not running the risk of uh, being discovered by seven different AROs if you're uh, hiding around the corner of three buildings that are all packed tightly together. Mm. I mean, it can still happen, but, um, and and also, I mean, that's where, in densely packed tables, that's where chain rifles and, and boarding shotguns and things like that come in really handy. But, again, it doesn't hurt to have a sharp knife yeah. in your back pocket. Especially a sharp knife that... Uh, that's hidden behind some sort of wibbly wobbly camouflage that nobody knows quite what it is yet. Mm, mm. But like, if you're playing against JSA, you can take a pretty accurate guess that it's going to be something <laughs> that can that can hurt you fairly severely. Yeah, just uh, shank in the kidneys. That's right. Yeah. So, um, I guess uh, close combat is is an integral part of 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 the game. Every unit has a as a close combat. Uh, attribute yes uh, in its in its stat line some are higher than than others using for example everybody's got an extra one close combat um on their base stat line woohoo um where something where like uh where pano get an extra ballistic skill yeah. um let's even that out by giving using an extra close combat yeah that's how this that's how this game works yeah that's balanced for you isn't yeah it? exactly <laughs> a long, i'm sure a long time ago that was that was considered balanced but um but it's a bit more bit more nuanced these days i think so i'd, I'd love to see the uh the, the calculator they use in terms of how they work out what uh what, what skills and what equipment costs what points. Mm, definitely, yeah, definitely. We never will because that basically is the entire way that they make money by yep. creating units using that calculator, but uh, it will be nice to see. Yeah, so I guess the, the first thing we wanted to talk about um, when it comes to close combat is uh, on the close combat uh, uh, attribute itself, uh, some units have very high numbers. They do. In fact, numbers above 20. Yeah, when which... When we're rolling a D20. But aren't we playing a, a D20 dice? How can you have a target number that is higher than 20? And um, so, like, 23, 25... Do you know what the highest one is? Um, I want to say maybe 25. Yeah. Um, Shinobu, I think, has... Yeah, I don't think anything's got a, a close combat higher than 25. If if someone knows of something, feel free to let us know on the uh, on the Facebook page. But um, I think the highest close combat you can get is, is 25. Now, yes. um, the, also, there's loads of modifiers in close combat, which we'll go into soon. All the different martial arts skills, things like Berserk, um, can increase that number even higher. So if you're looking at something that's giving you plus 3 to hit and you've got close combat 25 then that's making that number up to 28 so so basically uh for our for our newer players who are listening how that works is uh the the numbers that you've got above 20 they act as a, a modifier to the roll the, the number you've actually rolled on your die exactly that's right so if you roll uh if i roll my if i roll my die and i roll i've got uh close combat 25 my target number is 25 with because we're not considering modifiers just yet. I roll a five, and I've got closer combat 25, then I add five to that roll. So that roll counts as a 10 exactly. for the face-to-face roll. Yes. The other um, component of that, actually, well, just on that first as well, when, um, when you are in close combat, almost always, unless you're in with the link team, or sorry, other, other uh, 
members of your force or you've got a martial arts skill that gives you an extra burst, it's almost always one one of your dice versus one of your opponent's That's dice. That's right. It's the ultimate face-to-face rule. Exactly. So having those, those numbers that can actually modify the number that you've just rolled can come in very, very helpful because you can still still so easy and so so often do you fluff that role that's right and you know if you're if somebody's got a close combat skill for example of say 15 you know not not terrible but not not brilliant mm-hmm. um, and they roll a 14 and um, even if your close combat skill is 25 you you've still got a one in 13 chance of, uh, of rolling that on the dice anyway rolling lower than them but that uh, that plus five to your dice roll from the close combat skill just gives you that extra chance to beat them. Exactly by by adding those numbers on onto your roll. Um, the number of times that uh, that my ninja has managed to roll ones and twos and threes still um, is it's, it happens a lot. Um, which I guess comes back to why you don't want to necessarily rely on close combat all the time. It's a bit of a um, a last last resort, but um, but yeah, that that's that's the the, the first function of, of having a, a target number that's higher than than twenty. Now the second part is how it affects what your role is to roll a crit. That's right. So I believe so, the uh... so usually when you when you roll um, if you you've got a target number, if you roll that target number, then that's a crit. With um, with having a higher target number than than twenty. Uh, what it does is it it reduces the 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 number that you need. Well, how, how's the best way to explain this? Uh, the, the, the target is still twenty. Um, I believe that the way it's explained in the book is that the target is twenty, um, but then you add on um, whatever that uh, the higher number than twenty is to your dice roll, and anything above twenty is count um, as the modified result counted as a crit. The right. twenty or above counts as a crit. So if my target number is 25 and I roll a 17 plus 5 because it's the numbers above 20 you That's add right. on. So you add 17 plus 5, 22. So because that number is above is 20 or above, that's a crit. Exactly. So it really does uh, increase that range for, for, critical, for critical hits. Yes, just gives you that much higher chance. Instead of a 1 in 20 chance to crit, You've perhaps now got a five or six in twenty chance to crit, mm. which is uh, which is a lot better. That's right. Take changes your your five percent to up to thirty percent. That's right. Um, or or even higher sometimes, depending on the on the modifiers you've got in play. So um, so cr- close combat critting is something that uh, that that you have to you really want to be aware of, particularly with, with when you've. Or I mean when you've got those not particularly i mean that's what we're talking about when you've got those higher target numbers that um that one one viable tactic is is fishing for those crits absolutely especially when you're attacking with a monofilament weapon whereas you know when if you deal a wound they the target goes automatically to dead so even if you've got this nice big avatar or squallow um with its many wounds and high armor um if you can get a crit on it in close combat and they don't crit back. Sorry, you've just lost your hundred odd point more. Yeah, um, I'm, 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 I'm recalling uh, when we talked about ECM earlier. I'm recalling ECM from last year. In I think it was the final round. I was playing against Jacob, and he was playing uh, combined army. And the very first order of the game was a uh, specular killer Ooh. who uh, uh, walked up and uh, and touched uh, my. Sansei, 
In a bad place. In a very bad place. Uh, and and just sliced him in half with a monofilament. Yeah. Um, and it was it was it was a it was a it was a stressful time for, to be on the <laughs> receiving end of that. Yeah, so I'm surprised you came back. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Um, yeah. So I guess um we, what we wanted to cover off on as well a few of the a few of the more components that can play into uh to how a close combat can uh, can play out um we've talked about a bit of an overview that that target number above 20 but then also there's loads of different skills that only uh only affect close combat so i guess the 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 one you're going to see most often and the one that uh, that that uh will have the most impact on your close combats um in terms of the volume that you that you see it is going to be martial arts absolutely i mean there are so many profiles out there that have martial arts now um, so you, you pretty much always, I think, in most games that you play um, against any faction that has a reasonable ability in close combat, you're going to see some level of martial arts in use if you if you have anybody getting into uh, that stabby action. That's right. So um, martial arts, there's there's five levels of martial arts. Uh, it's a seated skill. So if you've got the higher, if you've got a higher level of martial art, that automatically gives you access to the previous levels. That's right. But Unlike a lot of uh, nested skills like that, you cannot combine um, levels. Yeah, so something like um, marksmanship, for example, if you've got marksmanship level two, that gets combined with marksmanship level one. Uh, for martial arts, you, you, they do not combine; they stand alone when they're yeah. being used. You must so, choose which one you want to use. Exactly. So when you declare when you declare your order, you'll say, "I'm making a close combat attack with uh, using martial arts level." Three, for example, um, which is probably the only one I've pretty much ever used. Um, Me too. So I, I guess we can we can we can talk about what the what the rules actually do. So martial arts level one um, gives your opponent a negative three modifier on their roll, and also gives your damage plus one. I guess something we should probably touch on is where the damage from comes from in close combat. Um, it comes from your fizz. That's right. Uh, so how hard you can slice with that. That yeah, all those all those muscles, all those um, all those press ups you've been doing, uh, that's that's where your damage comes from. Unlike uh, unlike a, a weapon, which the damage comes from the profile itself, this comes from the model that's using it. Um, so getting plus one damage and negative three to your opponent, not 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 too shabby. A lot of models um, may have martial arts level one as and and that's just it. So right. the the Xian for Eugene comes to mind. It's just got martial arts level one. So this is the only level that it's got access to. Yeah. Um, um the, the the one that I love the most for martial arts level one is the Oyeroi. So the, the JSA course. the JSA tag. The JSA um, tag with the uh, the martial arts skill. So um should actually we should just say that martial arts automatically grants a model stealth. Yeah. And so it, the Oyeroi having martial arts level one um, you know this this big tag running around with stealth, so he can run behind a building where your lovely assault hacker is prone. Say, oh, sorry, you uh, you've got no idea that I'm there because I'm using my martial arts to uh, just silently run up with my uh, with my tag. Yeah, um, no, definitely the Oyuri. I've only faced an Oyuri once, and it was at CanCon to the, not this one that's just gone, the previous one, and um, there was this really cinematic moment where. My uh, my ninja ran into close combat with the Oyuri and like came out of uh, it was he got a surprise attack on him and um, it was just, like it's really super cinematic to imagine the the 
the ninja swinging upwards with his katana and the <laughs> and the Oyuri swinging downwards with his gigantic uh, yep. gigantic uh, mech blade and uh, and and that clash of, uh, of of martial arts there. Um, the next level of martial arts, martial arts level two, uh, has no effect on modifiers on sorry on your on your die roll, but it does you plus three damage. Uh, instances where you might want to look at 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 wanting plus three damage are things where if you're doing close combat against scenery items for example because they can often have fairly high armor and um and uh and, and, and those types of values so having plus three damage is something that that can be uh can be really handy it can also be good against um targets with high armor sure just to try and break through that uh, that armor to try and get a wound onto something mm. um again um m- we're going to talk about martial arts level three next, but the, and we'll talk about the reason why personally I pick martial arts level three all the time over something like level two um, is that sure it's good to get that extra damage, but when I'm doing close combat rolls, I want to get a crit and not have to worry about what their armor is. Um, so that's where we look at martial arts level three. It's the first one that's going to give you a positive modifier. So your attack mod is at plus three, while at the same time your opponent is at negative three. There's no damage modifiers at all, but if we if we consider what we were talking about before with the uh, with how the numbers work on uh, on your die rolls, you've got uh, Shinobu who's got close combat 25 using martial arts level three. That's boosted that number up to 28, which means that any die any roll that she rolls that's a 12 or higher is going to be a crit. Yep. So she's got basically a 40% chance of critting. Yeah, which is which is phenomenal. Um, which is why it's someone you don't want to get into close combat with if you're all facing her on the other side of the oh, table. Oh, very much no, especially given she has that, that trusty monofilament close combat weapon, which means that if she crits and you don't, again, you're automatically gone. So mm. so if if you've got access to close combat, sorry, martial arts level three, generally three is the one that you go with. I have almost always used martial arts level three with any model that I've taken, just purely, as we said, looking for those crits because... At the end of the day, a crit is a guaranteed wound, whereas mm-hmm. even if you hit with something else, you're still um, you're relying on your opponent to uh, to not make the armor safe. Exactly. There's a, that extra um, uh, variable in play that uh, that fishing for that crit can uh, can can ignore. Next level of martial arts, martial arts level four. Uh, it's got no attack modifiers on yourself or your enemy, but no no damage modifier, but as we mentioned before, close combat is always just going to be burst one, except for when you're using martial arts level four, gives you plus one burst. Now, one thing that anyone who's who's used close combat often will always have uh, harrowing stories of of their close combat expert Shinobu Kitsune, the the ninjas Miyamoto Musashi, everyone rolling absolute dismally on on that on that role ones ones are a thing that happened more often than i care to mention when it comes to close combat that, that's right um in a recent tournament um one of my one of one of our players dan uh had i think it was literally just like a a, a nomad line troop in close combat with achilles and uh achilles just rolled so poorly he managed to cop two wounds oh dear. against like a guy with a knife um, so what uh, what martial arts level four does, giving you that extra burst, 
means that uh, while it doesn't have any of these role modifiers to, that you can help you fish for the crits that you might want, if you if, if you got martial arts level four, you've got a really high close combat level anyway, so you're still going to have have a, a nice buffer zone of where you can yep. land a crit. Um, but it means you're now rolling two dice instead of one, which can be an absolute godsend. Now, before we talk about level five, I suppose we should really talk about um, bursting close combat in general. So, well, uh, um, generally you'd be burst one in close combat. If you have friendly troops that are also um, engaged with that model, your burst is equivalent to the amount of friendly models that are in that close combat. Including yourself. Yes. So if you've got yourself and three friends, you're rolling four dice in that close combat because your, your opponent's basically having to sort of look around, try and... Uh, um, take into account all of these guys that are suddenly uh, surrounding him or her with their uh, their guns or knives or pistols pointed in their face, and so you're uh, you've got more chance of uh, of actually doing something yeah. in that close combat. Yeah. So it's um uh it's I don't know maybe I'm just not very good at this game, but um it's I very rarely have ever found myself with more than one model in close combat. I think I've only ever done it once. Really. Um, so I mean it can it can come up and and it's something that probably looking like looking at it now from an analytical standpoint you really want to try and aim to get more than one model in close combat with something because of that burst bonus that it's going to give you. Um, but uh, I guess on on extending on that we've got martial arts level five, which um, it does have a an, a, a modifier to your opponent's uh, role. So the modifier is going to be negative six on your opponent. But the real crux of martial arts level five is that whatever uh, the number of models that are in base to base contact with you, that's the, that's your burst. That's right. So if uh, if your opponent has been silly enough to put five models in base to base combat with Miyamoto Mushashi. Uh, then Miyamoto will be at burst five um, when when he when he rolls. So um, again, super situational because anybody who and anybody who obviously after this episode listens to our podcast uh, will uh, will re- will know that if someone's got martial arts level five, you don't want to be. I mean, if someone's got martial arts level five, you don't want to be in close combat with them anyway. No, no, you want to run run the hell away from let them. Let alone be in close combat with them with multiple units. Um, so even even with level five, the one you're going to be using the most, in my opinion, is level three. That's the one that I most often use. Yeah. I think perhaps if you're not running uh, monofilament weapons, so if you're you know, looking at maybe AP explosive, um, something like the plus one burst might be quite nice because if you can get two hits, they're making six armor saves. True. Um, but still, I just like crits. Me too. So much. Um, and they're, they're so they're so integral to, to to the close combat mechanic is getting those crits. But um, so those are the those are the um, those are the martial arts levels, right? Which which like we said, martial arts in close combat is the most common thing you're going to come across. Um, and then we've got a list here of other uh, close combat skills that some of them might not come up that often some of them literally there might only be one unit in the game that has them so we've got things like icol protheon berserk natural born warrior these are all other close combat skills which we will talk about now as well um but they're not nearly as common as your martial arts skills which you'll see a a lot around a a plethora of of, of units so for me i think the the next one that um 
I've seen most often, um, just purely because I've played Kev, um, and uh, he's been using uh, people with Natural Born Warrior. Sure. Natural Born Warrior is, uh, is very nice because it's got two different modes. So it's either got uh, one mode, which is plus three to yourself and plus one damage, or it has a mode that cancels martial arts skill or cancels any other special skill of your opponent. So uh, you can you can put that model into close combat with uh, an Oniwaban, say, oh, yeah, so the Oniwaban's like, oh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to close combat you with my martial arts level three looking for that crit. And you say, actually, no, no, I think we'll uh, we'll just make it a straight face-to-face roll. So it's still still going to be a bit of a dice off, yeah. but you mean, means you're uh, you're a bit less likely to uh, to face those nasty crits. That's right. It's taking that edge off your opponent um, that they that they may have in, in the close combat there. So uh, natural born warrior. Um, what uh, what units have got natural born warrior? I think Raul has a natural born warrior. Oh, does he? Hmm. Uh, everyone's favourite. T- uh, Pajama wearing, Pajama wearing jump, <laughs> jump troop uh, as natural born warrior. So so yeah, I mean it's a, it's it's a again it's one of these niche skills, but um, and not that many units have it, but it can come in pretty handy. And it's something that if if you are have, running a force that does have a lot of close combat stuff in it, you want to be aware of your opponent's ability to negate your exactly. martial arts skills. Exactly. Um, uh, moving on to the next one, we've got eye coal. Yeah. I don't even know what this is. This is a this is a fun one. So um, I think for in the in the fluff, it, the the name kind of comes from the fact that in uh, in oh. ancient times, coal was the name for sort of makeup that people used. So uh, the way that it works is basically three levels. I think uh, one, two, three, which gives your opponent a neg three, neg six, neg nine to their uh, their close combat. Yeah. Um, so, so basically, it's, it's all about. Uh, you're looking so so fantastic that your opponent's sort of a bit distracted when they're uh, when they're yeah, trying to stab you. So it says here that Icol functions by providing the capacity to emit designed pheromones, as well as other powerful biochemical substances uh, that overload the sensory receptors of any opponent close to the bearer. Icol used to be a line of makeup and personal beauty products developed by the Hakeslamite cosmetic industry. Uh, they soon found a more powerful and less subtle military use for these products. Because that's always what happens. Yeah. It? It, is a, it, it is common to use the generic commercial icon name to refer to all of these lines of products, whether they are used as military or by the civilian population, uh, be it uh, artificial or created by the bearer's own organs, human or alien origins alike. Interesting. Okay. So it's like, um, yeah, you just make yourself make yourself look real pretty. And it means your opponent doesn't want to hit you so That's badly. It. Which, um, so do, like, if you're if you're if you had Icol, you've got level one, two, or three in the profile. Is that how it works? I believe that's the way it works. Yeah. So, so you, you choose which one you want to uh, want to apply. Okay. So yeah, and uh, so yeah, opponent mod is neg three, neg six, or neg nine. That's a massive modifier um, at level three, negative nine. That's right. The interesting thing with Icol is that uh, um, it also applies whether the the person with the Icol is doing a CC attack, a dodge, or an engage too. So it's not just uh, in the stabbing, it's even if they're, they're sort of trying to dodge out of the way. I thought we were supposed um, to just be talking about close combat. Well, it applies <laughs> in close combat too. Um, that's really interesting, yeah. So, I mean, uh, for a dodge or an engage skill to make your, when, you're, when you've got a face-to-face roll, to have your opponent at a negative, uh, negative, negative modifier is huge. Um, just, again... Uh, just increasing your chances of winning that face-to-face. Yeah. Um, I think the next one we'll talk about is going to be Berserk. 
I'll just bring it up on the old uh, computer over here. This is one that I, I must admit I've not used before. Neither have I. Um, I think steel phalanx have a big, uh, big use of. So, uh, what's his name? Ajax. Yes. Berserk. Uh, B E. How do you spell berserk? B E S E R K. B E R. Yes. Oh my god. B. Oh, there it is. Berserk. Yeah. Um, steel phalanx with um, with Ajax. Um, the crack rot renegades. Oh no! Not you two. Okay, <laughs> the reason that I pronounce it that way is because that's how Julian pronounces it. And I've played that many games against him, and he's the only person that I've ever actually played against who uses them. I don't know how you're supposed to say it. Just crack-ot. 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 Okay, crack-ot renegades also See, have sounds, it sounds much better, doesn't it? Oh, does it, though? <laughs> who knows? So, yes, um, there. Those guys are great. there's two aspects to the berserk skill. Um, the first one uh, is using it as a berserk attack, which gives you plus six on your modifier for the, for the roll. But exactly, yes. But yeah. Do you want to go into the? Sure. Yeah, but instead of a face-to-face roll, it turns the rolls into two separate individual rolls. So you roll your roll, your opponent rolls their roll. If you both succeed, you're both taking armor saves. Yeah. Or potentially critting. That's right. So, so it's it it's interesting. I mean, on the on the crack ot renegade, <laughs> um, which is just a one wound model, um, it's it could be potentially devastating uh, for yourself if you're not making your opponent have a face to face roll. If you're getting that plus six, you could be taking out a model that's uh, worth a lot more points than Ex- you are. Exactly. Um, whereas if you look at it on someone like Ajax, who's got like ten wounds or something, who knows? Um, Still phalanx, they've all got 10 wounds yeah, and no wounding count. Yeah, <laughs> and they've all got ODD and they're just broken faction. Um, Ajax uh, is fine with it because he can take a hit and still keep trucking along. The other aspect to it, Assault. Now Assault, um, it's uh, got, oh, it's got a negative 3 on your roll, which is not great, but what it does is it combines, it allows you to effectively move, move, and get a close combat right. attack. So you combine the distance of both your move values, and you can move that full distance, and then uh, still and then, stab, and then still, still, still punch someone in the face with something. You do have to be able to have one aside on them at the start. Yes, you can't move you, around the corner when you declare the order. You have to be able to see them to do it. Um, but uh, but get like I mean, if someone's got like Ajax, he's four four. Um, off the top of my head, I think he's four four. Um, Eight inches is a long way. It, it's a lot bigger than you think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm, I'm well out of the way of him. Oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, so it's it, it's uh, something that can, that can be um, really take you by surprise as well, um, which is, I guess, one of the reasons one of the reason we want to talk about this stuff is to really shine a light on all these different aspects of it. Assault is something that will really... The first time it happens to you, you'll be like... I, that's it's all just, broken. Yeah, this is <laughs> exactly. It's not broken. You should have shot at him beforehand. That's right. Um, and uh, and perhaps if in fact that's what you should do anyway. If they're going to use assault on you, maybe you should just shoot them on the way in. That's a good point. Yeah, and and I, I guess something we can we can touch on here as well is that your one of your reactions to to close combat can be to shoot. That's right. Um, as long as you can see them 
before they get into base to base contact exactly. with you. There are certain tricks you can do from a, from an offensive perspective to stop your opponent from being able to see you as you move in. For example, if they're within smoke, or even if they're just outside of smoke, and so when you touch them, your base is still touching the smoke, you're still in smoke until you're actually in base to base contact, which means they can't shoot you. That's it. And, and you know, all the different types of camo, of course, as well. You can just uh, um, be behind somebody and uh, and moving into uh, into base to base contact from behind them because sure. if you have camo, you have stealth, which means they can't uh, do anything until you're actually in base to base with them. That's right. If you were to come out of camouflage and hit them from the front, however, because you're considered to be out of the marker state from the start of the order, they can still exactly shoot at you. Yes. Um, one thing that we would did want to touch on um, around close combat and coming out of a marker state is surprise attack. That's right. Yes. Now, surprise shot, uh, if you've ever shot at someone from camo, they're at negative three. Surprise attack, so if you're doing a close combat attack against someone out of camouflage uh, or from a camouflage state, uh, they're at negative six. That's right. And I must admit, when I first saw that, I was like, oh, that's crazy. But uh, it, it, it definitely helps. Mm, mm. Especially when you're combining it with, with those other levels of martial arts, as we said earlier. So you know, if you're using your... Uh, your surprise attack in martial arts level three, they're, you're going to be plus three, then ignite. Exactly. And so like a line troop might have close combat 11 or 12, which is going to put them down to threes. Um, and if they're on if they're on threes and then you're close combat 25, so you're getting plus five to your roll, then unless they crit, it's not possible. That is exactly for right. To, for the only way they can the beat you is to crit. Yeah. So can be can be very frightening. Um, was there any other little rules we wanted to talk about here? Berserk Pro Protheon. Protheon's the fun one that uh, I think only combined army units have it. I'm not sure. I've not uh, not come across it very often. Um, but that's the one that kind of it's like vampire skill. So that one is where if they inflict a wound uh, in close combat, they gain that wound um, onto their their profile. Yeah, there's also levels. There's five levels of Protheon, um, and they look they're very similar to the close combat to the sorry martial arts. You've got one level one gives you plus three, level two gives you gives your opponent negative three, level three gives you plus three damage, um, level five gives you plus three attack, and then they're on negative three. So that then Protheon level five is very like martial arts level three. Yeah. So plus three to you, negative three to uh, to your opponent. But yes, that the big thing of Protheon is that. Uh, where you know, they, they lose a wound, you gain that wound. Yeah, so the wound attribute can be increased by a maximum of two points. Use a power-up two marker to indicate this. Interesting. So you can actually go up, you can get more wounds than what you started with. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's Wow. Yeah. The important thing, though, is that this doesn't count against units with structure. So you can uh, go up to a tag or a remote and, and stab them and kill them, but... You don't gain wounds from that because you, you can't eat the metal bits, I guess. Mm. Here's another interesting point. The Protheon user can apply this close combat special skill when declaring a coup de grace. Yes. So if there's an unconscious model that you're walking past, you can just, you know, nom, 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 nom. Yeah, have a bit of a munch while you while you walk past and give yourself a little power up, which is, um, well, that's great. Quite scary. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of tactics... When um, oh actually before we go to that we talk about different close combat weapons um, because we can go through the list. That's right. Um, we, we, yeah, that's right. We made notes. <laughs> we did. Um, close combat weapons. 
the most common one you, you most common one you probably see are going to be I mean everybody's got a knife um, which interestingly has shock does it I believe so yes wow see I, I don't even know how this game works um, but it also using a knife in close combat gives you negative on the damage that you make one isn't it yeah I think it's neg one maybe neg three who knows there's a negative on the damage from a from a knife um, I said we made notes I didn't say we made good notes um, <laughs> The, the, but in terms of the actual people that you're wanting to offensively use with close combat, the types of close combat weapons you usually come across, double action means your opponent has to take two armor saves, uh, AP halves your opponent's armor, um, real tasty ones, things like explosive close combat weapons, meaning they have to take three armor saves, That's right. uh, everybody's favorite monofilament close combat weapon. Um, yeah, John, well, I mean, as a JSA player, um, you know, monofilament uh, is, is always my favourite because you know, they're, they're probably the the poster boy for the JSA. The Oniwaban has that that monofilament weapon. Yeah, which, so as we said, means that you know, if you uh, if you get a wound with the monofilament close combat weapon, uh, the target just goes straight to dead, bypasses any unconscious state, um, bypasses any further wounds that it may have had. Mm. It's just gone. Yeah, um, which which is can be really sad you know when <laughs> when it happens to your tag or like happened like i said before when it happened to me with uh with sanze uh for me to have my first turn in loss of lieutenant um yeah oh it's like the podcast um it, it, it can be really rough um and that's why things things like the uh uh the speculative killer can be absolutely devastating if, if you if you play them right that's right, especially with that nasty impersonation of that speculo is just there. Yeah, that's right. Um, any other close combat weapons that we haven't talked about? I mean, um, doesn't Raul have like an EM close combat weapon? Yeah, I'm just looking at the list. So we've got AP, DA, uh, EM, EM close combat weapon. I think the Domaru also have um, EM close combat weapons because um, they're dual wield. So they're um, so when you have dual wield. Um, and you have two, you basically apply the effects of both. It combines them together, that's doesn't right. it? Yeah, so um, then there's, as I say, explosive monofilament shock. There are some shock CC weapons, which is interesting because they, again, do not uh, straight to dead mm -hmm. if they're one wound. And there's T2 CC weapons, um, which I guess is the, the same. There's the Templar CC weapon, which uh, perhaps won some of the, uh, is it from the Human Sphere in 3, according to the trusted... Templar CC weapon, like oh. as in like the Knight's Templar. Yes. So maybe it combines the effect of two different types of special ammunitions. So there's an AP in shock and there's an AP in DA. Okay. I mean, they could have just said that it has DA and AP rather That's than making right. out a new one, but I guess is... because it's only one weapon rather than having two. So they're not dual wielding. They are. It's a one weapon that has two separate effects. Yeah, but a missile launcher has got um, two separate effects. True. It's got yeah, like in hit mode, you've got AP plus explosive. That's right. Why couldn't they just Say it's got AP plus explosive plus combat weapon. Anyway, and we don't we don't make this game. We, we that, just yes. play it. Uh, yeah, there's probably a reason that we didn't play that make the game too. Yeah. Um, the other one there's a viral CC weapon. Ooh. And uh, having um, recently looked at some Toha stuff, I know how exciting viral can be. Yeah. So um, viral is really um, really powerful. Viral has the same effect of shock, whereas if you fail one of your saves, if you've only got one wound, you go straight to dead. And it also means that. Um, you're taking two saves against BTS, BTS. Um, and some 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 uh, some models have, don't have very good BTS. No, in fact, most models don't have very good BTS. That's right. Um, 
yeah, so I guess that that's going to cover off on most of the the I guess stuff we wanted to read out in terms of uh, of how close combat works and and the the ins and outs of that side. But um, in terms of actually using it on the table, um, some from a strategy standpoint, that's right. What's um what are some of your your fun fun things that you like to do with close combat? Well, again, coming from JSA, I'm a big fan of uh, getting uh, getting my infiltrating um, close combat specialists up into the uh, the enemy um, deployment zone so obviously not obviously not starting them there because that's not allowed um but uh, uh, very close yeah, to that's right um then sort of revealing the marker taking a walk um, seeing if anybody tries to discover me you'll find that i think 50 50 i found when it comes to uh, to walking up with camo marker when they're pretty sure what it is they um they know that it's going to be hard for them to discover it because yeah, if you're in TO camo, you're going to be neg six to discover before your range modifiers and things. Um, so it's not the, the easiest thing. And if you fail, you can't do it again that turn. Mm. So uh, I found that a lot of people will hold um, uh, and then I just sort of walk around the corner and then go away again. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so walking walking around sort of behind um, the lines, if you like, is a good one. And then just coming up behind somebody and stabbing them in the mm. back. Yeah. One one thing that I've used close combat for is uh tying up tags. Oh yes. Death. Um because ta- tags are not very good at close combat. In general. Um, in general. Um except for the Oyuri, I guess. But it's only I think it's only got a close combat of nineteen its close combat value, I think. It's still not bad. It's still <laughs> that's not bad, but um they um Generally, they're sort of middling numbers That's for their right. close combat. They do have really high fizz, though. So That's if they it, yes. if they hit you, they hit you pretty hard. Yeah, there's, there's big fists coming yeah, down. Yeah, they? they are they are they are giant stompy robots. That's right. Uh, so giant stompy robots are good at hitting things hard. Um, the things that like if you've got a um a someone a, a tag that you don't don't really have the ability to take care of. Uh, out of hand, then um, just running up and, and getting in close combat means your opponent is going to have to spend orders to deal with that. That's right. Even if you, you have no intention of actually doing anything in the close combat, just running up with a with a line troop. Um, yep. I I think uh, back when I was playing um, ISS would uh, would often find my Quang Shi in com- close combat with um, with things that they had really no chance of, of actually <laughs> actually doing any damage or, or hurting, but um, but the fact that they're there means that they're stopping um, stopping it from 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 acting right. without having to get over that speed bump first. Yep, and again, having somebody there. Even though your chances of winning that face-to-face roll aren't great, there's still a chance. That's so it's still that that mind game for your opponent of, do I spend that order and you know, or do I do I try and just move around it? Yeah, um, I've actually taken out a uh, taken out an avatar in close combat with the with the crane, <laughs> um, and the own the basically I'd what I what I what I did was I'd landed a smoke template, the 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 emp- the the avatar was around a corner. I'd launched smoke grenade launcher template right in front of him. Nice. My crane has then walked up through. So the crane's still in the smoke, so he can't shoot me to, to yep. hit me with a template. Or the and, sepsister. And, and, and sep, 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 sister. Sepsida. Yeah. He can't rise me because when I touched him, I was still in smoke. That's right. So you got um, no line of fire. Yeah. And so that, um, that put an end to his plans. Um, 
it did take quite a bit for me to actually take him down from there, but um, but it did happen. Um, and uh, so so yeah, even even against things like that, um, you can you can do wounds against really heavy stuff. And because of all these modifiers, uh, so and the heavy reliance on critting in close combat, um, a lot of the time you can often uh, with these close combat beasts. You don't have to worry about the opponent's armor because it's not going to have an impact. That's right. Yeah, that's good against tags because they have a lot of armor. They do. They do. They do. They certainly do. Um, yeah, but um, was there anything else that we you wanted to talk about in regards to close combat? I, I think all I would say is don't be afraid of it. Mm. Um, I think we we often get uh, stuck playing the game. We get stuck on you know shooting. Um, and that's great, and you know, it's probably you know, a big part of the game. At the end of the day, we've got so many different uh, weapons and, and things that, that shoot really well, and you know, the, the game is kind of designed very much around shooting. Uh, but I think close combat is something that people should do more of. I think it, it makes the game more fun, um, and it, it sort of, it's, instead of having two armies on either side of the table trying to shoot each other, um, we've got a bit of opportunity to maybe get in get in there do some down and dirty work and uh, have it a bit more as you said earlier on with your cinematic thing yeah i think it's a it's quite cinematic to have these uh particularly these close combat specialists who come up and sneak up behind you and and try and stab you and yeah definitely um and it's it's something that um like the you, you, the game will never be dominated by close combat like you see in games like 40k where you have a whole phase dedicated to it and you have assault assault marines and and like tyranids an entire army dedicated yeah, to having, stealers, having uh, gigantic claws and, and things like that to 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 dominate close combat this is not that game that's not um this is still a, a, a hugely uh, shooting focused game but uh the, the nuances within close combat uh, do allow for some pretty, pretty, pretty fancy. Hundred percent. Yeah. Do we want about? Do we want to talk about shooting into close combat? Um, don't do it unless <laughs> your name's Luke Henry, and um, there's stories to tell about that. But uh, um, yes, that it, uh, it's something that it, it makes it uh, quite difficult, shall we say? Yeah. So when you um. Uh, when you shoot into close combat, so say there's a, a close combat happening, you can shoot at the the enemy model that's in the close combat. There, you will be at a negative six for each of your friendly models in that close for, combat. For, for each one that's in it. That's the way I um I believe so. Really? Well, okay. I've only ever shot in close combat when there's been two people in there. So yeah. Um, so you're at a negative six, and then if you if you miss because of that negative six then you hit your own model. That's right. So if your failure is because of that negative modifier, that's where you're hitting your um, your, your ally. Yeah, so I've done this. Um, I had uh, my uh, my Sujan was in close combat with someone, and Sujan, well, it's great at most things. It's not too good at close combat. <laughs> so I'm like, I know, I'll just shoot at that close combat. I managed to do two wounds against my own Sujan <laughs> and uh, and did not. Uh, it, it, actually, what ended up happening was that in my opponent's turn, he rolled the hit in close combat. I rolled close combat attack as well, and he fluffed his roll and ended up kill, killing it in close combat <laughs> anyway. So so close combat can can go that way. Um, you only want to shoot into close combat in the most dire of circumstances Absolutely. because mm. because there is that risk of kill, of hitting and then. You don't want to be killing your own things. That's right. So I mean, the the reason that I ended up playing 
uh, Luke, one of our local guys, first round at CanCon this year, was due to a, a number of things that happened in uh, in previous uh, a couple of previous tournaments um, where I, I won one. Um, but this particular one, the reason I grudged him for the CanCon was that uh, in one of our, our tournaments earlier last year, um, with the last order of the game, he rolled a he shot a missile into close combat uh, where my Diokai was uh, in close combat with one of his dudes and we were contesting the middle objective. I can't remember exactly what mission it was, but uh, we were contesting the objective. Um, and if he hadn't have done that, he would have lost. He rolled a missile into close combat. Unfortunately, he managed to roll a really low number, which means he, he got it in. Um, and I made two of the saves, but mid didn't take it the last one. And I was only on, I was in no wounding cap. And so went to dead and, uh, and he managed to, uh, to take the, the objective and the game with the last order of the game. Oh, come it just comes down that way sometimes it does, it that, does. That, that that just be how it be that that that's how it is but um cool well i think we've we've pretty much covered on everything we want to talk about close about close combat I think so. um if you enjoyed our rule of the week segment pew, 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 rule of the week if you enjoy the, the if you enjoyed this new segment then let us know we're more than happy to 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 do more we're looking at think talking about um uh camouflage and marker states so camouflage and um I don't know, what marker states. That's right. Yeah, uh, ha- and, and how that interacts with uh, with things like hacking and uh, and that kind of stuff. It's, yeah, uh, I think we'd probably do a deep dive into hacking as well because it's it's a, a part of the game that um, a lot of people kind of won't uh, in, get in too involved with, uh, particularly for, for newer players. Especially Ariadna players. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, they really won't get involved in it that much. Um, I've personally very, am very light on my lacking game. Uh, my like my hacking game. Your hacking game is lacking. Nick. Yeah, my hacking is lacking, um, and it's something that I'd really like to improve on. Um, maybe I just need to play a faction that's a bit better at it, and I'll, I'll do it more or something. I don't know. We should all play hack. They, yeah, they've got whip for days. Yeah, yeah, whip for days. Whip, whip for days. For days. <laughs> four days. Whip four days. Okay, but um, yeah, any feedback? Happy to um, happy to take it on board. Uh, All the things that we got wrong, let us know. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think we got many things wrong. Um, we managed to cut out that that big section that we got wrong. Um, and uh, and yeah, if you've uh, if you've got any feedback, um, hit us up on uh, on Facebook. Uh, and, um, and and more than happy to um, to take suggestions as to what sections of the game you'd like us to delve into um, in future episodes as well. That's right. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess we'll do a, just another quick shout out to the upcoming events we've got in um, in Melbourne. We've got uh, uh, what have we got Eastern Uprising happening uh, next what's Saturday, the, Saturday the sixteenth. Saturday the sixteenth at uh, at House of War. Um, all of these events as well, they're all on Facebook. They're all on the Infinity Australia page on the um, Melbourne Infinity Group um, right. page and as well. We can we'll um, we'll link to them from our page too. Sure. Um, so yeah, we got that coming up. Uh, Eastern Uprising. We've got uh, the next second round of the Slow Grow League um, tournaments. Russell has also been running a, a Slow Grow, um, uh, more like more of a just Slow Grow events. The traditional, on, traditional yeah. sort of Slow Grow. Exactly for just newer player focused nights on Monday nights in at uh, General Games. Who have just moved. Yeah, they've just just moved down to the, the bottom end of uh, of Glen Ferry Road. Um, so I believe this coming Monday uh, they'll be meeting in there, which is a public holiday as That's well. That's right. So you know, nobody's got any excuse apart from me, who will be off at the racecourse listening to lots of heavy metal. Oh, well, I'll be in Hobart. Oh, so fun. God knows why. No. <laughs> I've never been before. Um, and uh, what else we got? We've got those. We've got um, 
the East, uh, ECM. ECM coming up in a few weeks' time, and uh, then loads more on the horizon. I mean, after well. that will probably be the um, the third and final round of the Sloco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're trying to do it sort of uh, four to five weeks after after yeah, after each other, mm-hmm. just to give people time to uh, get a bit of um, practice in, get a few new minis, get some stuff painted. Um, and so the last one we're, we're hoping going to be in May sometime. And then, of course, that leads us into uh, Gav's big tournament, Novacore. Oh, yeah. Are you coming to? No, you're no, not going. I'm going to be uh, playing board games for four days. That I'll, be, uh, I'll be representing Loss of Lieutenant at, uh, at Novacore uh, this year. If you, um, when, Whenever Gav's published the list of, of, of names. You're number of, two. Of, number two of, on the of, list. Of attendees. That's right. I'm, I'm second on the list because um, I got in nice and early. Uh, so I'll be I'll be heading along there, uh, happy to sign autographs and all that sort of thing. <laughs> a local uh, celebrity. Yeah, as a local celebrity, that's right. Uh, because I'm now internet famous. Um, if you want to take photos of me, they make pretty good memes as well. They they make the best memes. Okay, well uh, that's all from us. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for listening again. And uh, any questions, hit us up, and we'll uh, we'll catch you all next time. See you later. <laughs>